You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. Well, there is a football coach that coached high school football in Bremerton School District just across the Puget Sound from Seattle. And the school district has fired him about five years ago. And I want to tell you this story, Becky and Tracy. Before he coached his first game in 2008, he made a commitment to God that he would give thanks after each game, win or lose, for the opportunity to be a football coach and for his players. He was inspired to do it after watching a movie, I don't know if you've ever seen it, called Facing the Giants. For seven years after each game, he walked to the center of the field, knelt and prayed a brief prayer of thanks. That simple act of gratitude to his God cost him his job. There was never a complaint filed against him, but a compliment from a neighboring school administrator caused the school district to look at what he was doing. Not a complaint, a compliment. And the school district told him that he could pray as long as he was not leading the players in prayer. So he complied with that directive and he would go out to the center of the field after the game and pray by himself. Then the school district issued a new policy and said that he could not pray where others might see him. They said he could pray if it was in a place where nobody could see him. And it made him feel like his faith was something that he should hide out of shame. And that was not something that Joe Kennedy was going to do. So just before his last game as coach, the school district gave him an ultimatum. If he prayed at that night's game, they would suspend him. And he did pray at that game. And they did suspend him and they fired him. Time has passed and his only recourse was to seek legal action to vindicate his rights of free speech and exercise his religious beliefs. His case has been in the courts almost six years and he continues to fight for a right that he believes cannot be infringed on by government. And I'd like to talk with you, Tracy and Becky, about that and see what your take is on that. With freedom of religion, I don't understand, you know, of course, when the Constitution was written, there probably wasn't, uh, no, there wasn't, you know, Buddhism or Hinduism or any of the other religions. But what if the coach was an active Buddhist and he did whatever afterwards? I wonder if they would just um, said his prayer to Buddha after the game. I wonder if there would have been such a controversy as there are because they know he's praying to God. I, I feel like it's such a, it's more of a God thing than it is any other kind of a religious thing. I think it's more opposition toward that. Does anybody have an opinion on that? Well, I totally agree. And the way our society is headed, uh, we want no religious confirmation or expression in any 
public place, government place, schools, whatever you, wherever you work, that can be publicly seen. We are indoctrinating our people to be offended over anything that someone might do that you disagree with. We have become an intolerant society that applauds someone that says, well, I don't, I don't agree with that. So I am going to pitch a fit and I am going to get my way because my rights should supersede your rights. We are conditioning everyone, our kids, adults, that my opinion is above your opinion and my beliefs are above your beliefs. And that is in an ungodly situation, we are an ungodly society now that applauds taking God out of everything. We have put people in office that are godless and they are pushing that on everybody. And it just doesn't matter. People are falling for it. Well, I really agree. Although I do still think the majority of America is a God-fearing country. I think that the louder minority of people are pushing this agenda. You know, when I look at Joe Kennedy and his case, which did go to the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court decided not to hear it at the time, four of the court's justices, and you can imagine who they were, Alito, Thomas, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh, they issued a statement explaining that his case was not ready to be heard because important factual questions remain unresolved. They set out a game plan for how the case should be reviewed, thereby giving him an opportunity to go back and gather the information that he needed so that this case can get in the Supreme Court. And I truly, truly hope it does get into the Supreme Court because I really would like to see how they resolve it. And I would like to hopefully see that they resolve it in his favor. You know, one of the things that you wonder with this man who has been fighting this for almost six years, and he said, you know, why should he keep fighting it? And why doesn't he just move on? And his answer is simple. His answer is, that quitting would violate everything I tried to teach my players. And when I hear that statement, what I think is, isn't that the kind of coach that you want? Isn't that the kind of human being that you want mentoring your kids? Why would you want a godless person mentoring your kids? To, to have a man like this with strong beliefs is, is something that every parent should value in in having somebody for their children to look up to when they're not at home, when they're in a school situation. I mean, what, what more do we want from people? And these kind of people that we shut down, I just think it's a tragedy for our future generations. Well, what's happened is it's a spiritual warfare. And so we have, this small group, I feel like, because I'm like you, Linda, I feel like most of the country is God-fearing. I really do. But you have this small group of activists 
that have the biggest voice and they just shout out their opinions louder than what we do as God-fearing people. We're too kind or we're too, you know, we don't, we don't say things like we should. And we're going to have to start taking a stand for what's right and what's wrong and not be afraid because they're certainly not afraid to say their opinion. And they're certainly not afraid to hurt our feelings. And so we've got to start being that same voice for what's right. And it's more of a spiritual warfare because I'm telling you, if it was a guy, a coach that got out there and, you know, and he did his prayer, whatever to Buddha, he'd have probably been applauded because these people, society has become tolerant to things that they want. You know, that small group of people, they've become more tolerant to things that are not of moral character. And we, as God-fearing citizens, as responsible citizens, as good spouses, as good people in the community, we have got to be standing up for what is right. And I just think that they just blew it out of proportion because it's more spiritual warfare than it is anything. Because it was God, because it was a Christian value, then it automatically makes everybody's hair raised that is in that small loud mouth group well and they are they are hovering themselves under the term well you're a racist if you think this way or that way we as christians now are racist because we are intolerant to those that may not think the way we do, and they're using that as an excuse and they're pushing it on everybody. And so they're brainwashing individuals into thinking that Christians are the ones that are intolerant and that are pushing back. And it's really not so. As Christians, we've always been taught as God-fearing people that we are to turn the other cheek or we are to be tolerant of other people's beliefs. And so in doing that, we've stepped aside and we've advocated our rights. And we, like you said, Tracy, we are not standing up. There is a way to stand up and be vocal and still be the Christian or still have the Christian witness that we need to have and do it the right way. But we, I think a lot of us don't know how to do that. And we need to learn how to do that. We need to be angry and not sin in our, in our anger. And that's a hard thing to do. So instead, we are quiet. And we let people run all over us. And the squeaky wheel gets the grease. It always does. And it's always the small group that seems to win in these cases. It's always the minority. You'll have two or three screaming that that offends me when you've got a hundred over here that it doesn't offend, but yet the hundred are the ones that get persecuted and get shut down. Because that happens in so many cases in our country. And I do want to talk more about that upcoming. Um, But, but I agree with you both. This, this, we've got to be more vocal about this. This is not a case where Christians or people that believe in God, whatever religion they are, 
should sit back and be quiet because if we do, we're, we're going to end up in an, a agnostic kind of country. We're, we're going to end up in a country that has no religion and that is not America. That's not how we were founded. I mean, the things that our government continues to try to do and different groups continue to try to do like taking in God, we trust off of our money or taking God out of the Pledge of Allegiance, or you name the situation. There are so many cases where they have taken, you know, prayer out of schools, although the actual ruling in the Supreme Court about prayer was that kids don't have to um, pray out loud, but they have to, and, and the school can give them the opportunity to pray silently to themselves. That has also been kind of um, bastardized for lack of a better word in the schools to say that you can't pray at all, but that's not what the Supreme court ruling was. So I'm hoping that the Supreme court will get another look at this in the near future when Joe Kennedy and his attorneys get whatever information they need. Uh, the case has recently been heard in the ninth circuit court. There has not been a ruling from that as of yet, but even if they rule against him, the Ninth Circuit is the most overturned court in the country. That's really not something that I think will stand because virtually everything they do gets overturned. So, you know, we, we have an opportunity to get this to the Supreme Court. And if you look at the Constitution of the United States of America, our freedom of religion is there. And you cannot make it be anything other than what it is if you're being true to our constitution we have the right to pray we do and if you look at the moral fiber of our country and the direction it is heading the fact that people are praying less and pushing god away more is an example of what is happening to our society and the things that we are allowing our children to be a part of the things that are being changed as far as who you think you might be. It, it's incredible what it does. You take God out of, out of the situation and he's going to let you go off on your way and be as immoral as you want to be. It, it's history repeats itself. There are so many instances in scripture where God gives a society over to their immorality when they refuse to look to him for his presence and what is right and what is wrong. And the way that we are able to communicate with him is through prayer. And when that's taken away, they're asking us to um, turn over this, that amendment the the ability to have the freedom of religion they don't want us to have it they want to silence us but by silencing us they can control people better and tracy i know you've said many times that you know it it is from god that we get our strength and when we therefore have god in our lives we are stronger if if it becomes too inconvenient to have God in our lives, and if it becomes the government's position that, you know, you cannot uh, pray and you cannot actively show your religion, then 
then people will stray from that. And when they stray from that, people are easier to control because they don't have that foundation. Is, isn't that what we've talked about before, Tracy, with, with that foundation that religion provides? Yes, it provides a foundation, a confidence. Um, your spirit, we have a God-given spirit. When we're born, we have a God-given spirit. And I believe in my heart that it never ages. When we're in our deathbed, um, when you're sick and in your deathbed, your spirit still feels as strong as it did as, say, you're 15. You know, you have a spirit inside of you that screams to be fed. And that's what a relationship with God does. It feeds your spirit and it builds your confidence. And we need that in all these kids growing up because we're not taking them to church like we should. The grandparents aren't taking kids to church. We're, we're raising this society where they don't have that foundation and sure they can be swayed. You know, if you don't stand for something, you know, you'll fall for anything. Right. And so that, that spirit has to be fed and that's what God does. And when you become a Christian, your spirit aligns with that spirit, the Holy spirit that God gives us. And so it comes inside of this and our spirits align and it gives you strength. Lots and lots of people don't have that. They don't know that Holy Spirit inside of them. They don't know their spirit in line with God. And so they will fall for anything. And as Christians, Becky said it, you're not supposed to like sin and you're supposed to be angry. We can be angry as Christians and we need to be angry about him not having his right to practice his freedom as religion as any God-given American has the right to. We need to be angry about that and we need to speak out of it. Do we need to sin in that anger? No, but we have the right to be angry about it. And it's a battle. We're, we're in a battle here and we either stand our ground or we give up ground or we take ground. You know, that's what happens on a, on a war, you know, on the battlefield. So as Christians, we need to be standing our ground and we need to be taking our taking ground. We don't need to be giving ground to the devil or giving ground to this enemy spiritual warfare warfare that we have going on right now. Boy, that's, that is so well said. And Tracy, I know that you have another case to talk about when we come right back. Don't miss an episode of the ladies of Liberty sound off. Subscribe to the podcast. And for the latest news and inspiration, join us back at AmericaOutloud.com. Well, my fellow Americans, how did you feel watching footage on the news of domestic terrorists looting our stores and burning our cities down? Uh, You were probably disgusted and angry as much as I was. It's disturbing what's going on. Well, you'd be shocked to know that your shopping habits are supporting these extremists. Companies like Amazon, Nike, Disney, FedEx, it's an endless list, and they've been supporting these radical groups. Let's stop supporting companies that fund these extremist groups. We can all do our part. Visit shoptotheright.com, and you'll find businesses in a nationwide database and companies that are aligned with our American values. Visit shoptotheright.com and let's all make a difference. Listen to the Ladies of Liberty sound off on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Well, ladies, I've mentioned this before and it kind of falls in line with what we just got through talking about. 
is, you know, I was brought up rural Oklahoma. I'm still rural Oklahoma. And we have a lot of little schools that's basically a pre-K through an eighth grade um, classrooms. And then after they, we actually have an eighth grade graduation. So after they leave eighth grade, then they go to high school, which is uh, ninth through 12th. Some of the larger towns, obviously, they'll have um, the elementary, the middle school, the junior high, and the high school. But since we're such a rural state, we have a lot of K through eight states, uh, K through eight schools. So when I was in school, we would have missionaries come to school and they would minister to us and they would have this board and they would tell Bible stories and they would, um, you know, share the gospel and minister to all the kids. And we loved it. We got out of class. We went to the gym and we watched the little missionaries tell stories and the Bible came alive on this felt board. So, and I was so happy to hear that this was still going on, but then at the same time, it tore my heart apart. One of the schools that was a neighboring school of ours, it's just an excellent, excellent, excellent elementary school. It's a K through eight school. They have been a school of excellence for as long as I can remember. I'm talking 50, 60 years. They're that good of a little school. They still have the missionaries come in once a month and they minister to all the kids kindergarten through eighth grade. And they do still the same thing. Um, they come talk to them and, and they have a monthly class and they call it the missionary class. And they give the kids Bibles. They give them coloring books. They sing songs about Jesus. Well, in October, apparently, we there was a five-year-old that the parents are of atheist, or atheist. And they were highly offended that the missionaries came in and that their child was subjected to this kind of teaching. So in October of 2020, the American Humanist Association filed a lawsuit against the school in Oklahoma, against this rural school. And their base for their case was it was they were violating the establishment clause of the U.S. Constitution for mandating young students to participate in, in evangelistic religious activities, meaning they forced this child to sit through a missionary time of worship or, you know, Bible study. And... So that infuriated me that this large group, that their group, they advocate the values and equality, equality of human, humanist, atheists, and free thinkers, that they're shutting down or trying to shut down the missionaries from coming in. Again, that's violating our freedom of religion, I believe, to try to shut this down. What do you ladies think? I, I have a question about that. <clears throat> Since only one child's parents have complained, and probably in many, many years, but why can the parents not opt their child in or out to that? And wouldn't that solve the issue? That's exactly what I thought. If they didn't want their child, that they felt like their child was being violated because their child did not believe in God, then when the missionaries came, then the child can go sit in the principal's office or go, you know, just pull the child out. That's exactly, I mean, that's so common sense. I can't even 
it just blows my mind. Why don't you just say, okay, then go sit over here. But again, it's that little voice, those little group that wants to have that great big voice and make it a big, big issue. And it just, it puts fire in my blood because I just want to say, then just have your child removed. Missionary day is the 14th of every month or whatever, the second Thursday. And you know that your child for one hour will go sit in a separate classroom. It is not going to hurt that child if your parent, if you as parents think that they don't need to be hearing about God. People don't have any common sense anymore. They want to act silly. That's what I thought. Take the child and let them go do a craft somewhere that's fun that keep their mind occupied. But that's not... That is not what this group is trying to do. They are not trying to just shut down a small group of people. They are trying to shut down everyone. And because we want to be able to worship our God and we want to be able to encourage others to do the same thing because we know it's the right thing to do, but they disagree with it. They are offended and they are going to scream loud and hard to make everybody stop because they disagree with it. And yet you talk to people that disagree with you and they say, well, we're the tolerant side. You are the ones that are intolerant because you don't think the way we do. And you want to push the way you think on everyone else. When in fact, that is exactly what the other side is doing. They are screaming. They are intolerant. They are a a godless society. And I'm seeing it. I'm seeing this thread go through every part of our society, whether it's your job, whether it's at school, whether it's on, again, the football field, the soccer field, wherever it is. If, if somebody out there disagrees with you, once again, they have the right to scream. And it's unfortunate that the ones sitting over here that really want this activity to continue, they're not willing to fight for it. We back down too often. And the courts are filled with people that agree with that one screamer, the one person that disagrees with what happened. Unfortunately, many of the courts agree with that person. And so we lose the right to have the freedoms that the Constitution allows us to have. Well, it seems to me like it seems to both of you that the answer is very simple. So we're going to follow this case and and we'll see what happens with it. But, you know, on the same note of one person or or the minority making a big change for the minor, for the majority is the case that an executive order signed by Joe Biden as president was one of the very first things that President Biden did when he entered office was to enable men, biological males, to play on sports teams with females. And I'm not talking about biological males that are in transition or that are taking hormones to be a woman. I'm talking about biological males that feel like they identify with females or as a female more so than males, that they can now play sports. And I, I, I have a huge problem with this for so many reasons. The first being that 
God made us different. We are different. Men and women are different biologically. Men have different muscle. They, they are thicker muscles. They are stronger muscles than women have. Their, their bone structure is different. There is not the ability for women to compete in so many sports that require being fast or being strong with any man. And what we've done to the women is, I mean, I just see it as the death of women's sports. We have taken their opportunity, so many of them, for competitive play and we have destroyed it and we have taken their opportunities for scholarships and destroyed that. And we have all of these girls and women that have competed for years and have worked long, long hours and hard hours to get to the top of their sport, whether they are young or all the way up to the Olympics, it, everything in between. And now we introduce men into their sports. And I'll give you an example that the top 300 men in, um, say in, in track can beat any woman all the way up to an Olympian in that sport. So if one of those decides to, to identify as a woman and joins that sport, the women are, they're just completely out of competition. They, they cannot compete. So why on earth would we take a minority of people like transgenders or people that are not in any stage of changing to a woman, but just identify as a woman and put them in women's sport and destroy that sport for women. That's how ridiculous our society has become. And until, until people begin to take the blinders off of their eyes and stop falling for all of this, they are going to find themselves in this position even deeper and deeper. When the women in these sports are no longer able to compete with whatever this man thinks that he is for that day, and when women are starting to be pushed away from being able to even participate because they can't even qualify, then something might be done. But we are in a position there again, that we cannot express that we have differences. We're, I'm even seeing in schools, I read an article where a teacher was teaching that there can be as many as a hundred different genders. And you can change your gender on how you feel that particular day. So until people wake up and see the I'm going to use this word, asinine way of, of our society's thinking on this. It's going to continue. We are going to see more and more of this. But, but the women that are involved in this and the parents that are involved with their children in these sports, they're going to have to get to a point where they're angry and they see the stupidity of what is going on. Tracy, is there any validity to a ruling such as that, an executive order such as that? I mean, what do we do with 
men that are biological males that identify as women and want to play a sport, how do we handle that as a society? Well, I can tell you that as a kid, I loved playing sports. I don't know if you ladies played sports, but so if I was playing basketball, if I was running track, or if I was playing soccer or softball, which I was terrible at softball, but (laughs) whatever sport I was doing, I would know the best player of each team of each school we played with. I looked for that best player because whoever that best player was, I wanted to be as good or better than them. So if you're telling me I'm going to go play a basketball game against, uh, you know, a school in our district and this team has a young man on it, say, you know, and he's playing, you're right, Linda, they're faster, their reflexes are quicker, a man's reflexes are quicker, they're stronger in their upper body, um, they're so, they're built, God made them different, it would just, I would probably, honestly, if I was, I'd probably, oh boy, I may hurt them, I really would, like, I would probably, I know how I am, and God help me, because I try work through this as a, trying to be a better person, but if I'm talking about my younger self, there was probably somewhere on that court or somewhere I would probably get a sucker punch in because (laughs) they don't need to be playing with women. They don't need to be playing with girls. And that pushes me, that pushes me as a girl down. That doesn't elevate me up. If they want the equality, that does not promote equality. That pushes a woman down. That pushes our confidence down. It was a mind game and it's a physical game. But it's so much in your mind, more almost more than it is mental, because when I was a kid, I looked for the best player. I wanted to get on that court and be like them. I wanted to rise up above my abilities. I can't compete with a man. I can't well, physically compete uh, with a man that's in shape. It pushes us as a, for the women down. It does not build us up. Well, that's exactly right. And I, I, I want to tell you both, uh, there was a, uh, conversation on Facebook with a woman that said, but if you are a grandparent or you're a parent and you have a child that's a boy that gets teased out of playing with boys and identifies himself with women or with girls, okay, I'm talking about a younger child with girls. And so he, therefore, you know, in the schoolyard, he plays with the girls on their sports and things. What do you tell that child that they cannot go ahead and play, you know, on the girls teams? And my answer was, and I'm interested in, in your opinion, my answer was, you know what, life's not fair to everybody all the time, (laughs) we cannot change the rules for a very, very small minority of people and change it for the vast majority of people. That's not right. That's not how life should work there are always going to be exceptions. And I'm sorry if, if that's the case, you know, with your son or your grandson. And I'm certainly open to having a sports class of people for transgenders, if you want to do that. But it would be like a healthy person putting themselves and saying, well, I want to play in the Paralympics And even though I'm not disabled, I should be able to play there. No, you can't do that. And you can't do this either. And I couldn't agree more that 
you destroy the the entire motivation of women and probably just a lot of them will just leave their sport because they don't they know that they don't have a chance against men it gets my blood boiling i'm serious i would just have to if they want to come play with the girls then they're going to get a sucker punch on my on my court so what i would is what i'd have to do as a kid and i hope there's some of those girls out there that do it well, I was a swimmer as a young girl, and I could tell you, I, there's no way I could have competed with some of the gold medal men swimmers that would probably fall into the category now uh, that they would be maybe leaning more toward the feminine side. I, it, it makes my stomach sick and it makes my blood boil too, uh, Tracy. I just don't get it. And you're right, Linda, life is not fair. We are born of specific sex, boy or girl. And there are some things women can do and men can't. I can have a baby. My husband cannot have a baby. He cannot deliver a child. There are things he can do that I can't do. And so we are not training our young people to understand their, ability, their abilities and their capabilities. Now, are there some women out there that are stronger than men? Absolutely. I'm, they're bodybuilders. I used to do CrossFit and I got pretty strong and I could lift a good bit of weights. But that doesn't mean that I should go out and bodybuild with men and compete in their their organization and are there men out there that are very good at being dancers of course but they shouldn't compete with women in the same sport there's there's got to be a line drawn somewhere to identify who you are and that's where i struggle we are who we are the day we are born and Life has limitations for either side, and we need to teach our kids to accept it. My fellow Americans, our mission here at AmericaOutloud.com is clear. We're here to defend our founding values and principles at a moment when they are under unprecedented assault. And to cover the news objectively and offer intelligent commentary on the challenges we face as a nation. You can tune in and join our family of listeners 24-7 in this vital crusade. Our apps are on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Find us on iHeartRadio or our world-class media player. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Thanks for listening. You can tune in to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off weekdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at AmericaOutloud.com. Welcome back to the Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. And I want to introduce our host today, we have with us Tracy Halpain. Tracy is an entrepreneur, businesswoman, busiest woman I know. She's always doing something and she also raises 
bucking bowls for PBR. So this lady can do it all. Um, we also have with us Becky Stokes. Becky was the uh, in charge of the Trump train in our area of Texas and just did a phenomenal job. I was so very, very impressed with her and her leadership. And Becky has been a homemaker for over 41 years, which is just amazing in today's society that, that, you know, that somebody still actually does that, loves it and considers it their life calling. Um, and I'm Linda Martinelli. I am the host of Talking While Married right here on America Out Loud every weeknight at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So give us a listen there. And also an entrepreneur and business owner in my own right. So uh, that being said, Becky, let's talk a little bit about life with COVID. Boy, that's an interesting subject. I had COVID. Oh, in August, when um, people were still probably very scared of what COVID was and everybody was masked up and didn't go anywhere and you sterilized your body before you went anywhere, or came anywhere, come home. And we did all of that. And my husband and I both got COVID. And I honestly can say, I'm really glad we got it. I know some people suffer with it a little bit more than we do. And some, uh, some cases it's tragic, but our situation was not so bad. We had it for about a week and we had symptoms. His were a little different than mine. And we both got the medication and came out of it just fine. It didn't stop us from doing anything. Um, we still went and traveled, uh, had people over. I'm not a fear person, so I am going to live my life and I'm going to be involved in people's lives. And I'm under the impression that at some point, everybody's going to get, whether it's the flu or COVID or a virus, a stomach virus or whatever. And actually getting the COVID now, I even feel freer. I go and do whatever I want to do when I want to do and with whom I want to do. And so life, it has freed me up substantially, other than the fact that society has put limitations on us and there's just so much you can do. But I'm very free when, when I go into a store and somebody says, ma'am, do you have a mask? I said, sure, it's in my purse and I just keep on walking. And uh, I'll even say, if they ask me to put it on, I'll say, no, thank you. I've already had it. So for me, it's been liberating. And uh, probably because I've had a lesser severe case and I got the medication right away and it helped. And I think that's the key. If you start feeling like you might have it, find a doctor that you trust and get treated. And if you have to go, call a frontline doctor because they understand what you need and they're not fearful. I agree. We are actually in quarantine right now and my husband and I have it. And, you know, we're, the fear of it, you know, fear is what, fear is a big motivator and fear is part of control. And, you know, with fear, you can control people. And yes, it is tragic in a lot of cases. And for my husband, he did have some different symptoms than I. And 
I've really just kind of breezed through this and I'm in quarantine with him. He did have a couple, two or three rough days, but he's feeling much better. And um, we're going to be in the house. We're quarantining for 10 days. That was our recommendation from our doctor. And since we're business owners and we are, you know, we're very public and pretty transparent with all of our people that work with us. And so um, actually a lot of our men come here to our home because we live out in the country. And so our workspace is um, on our property. We have 85 acres here. So we have two shops and they come to work there. So they know we're in the house and, uh, you know, Jerry's gotten up and he's went to the ranch and checked cows. We both have. And so, but there's nobody around us when we do that, you know, we're on the um, side by side. So it is liberating. I agree with you, Becky, on that. Uh, I don't want to be afraid of it. I don't want people to be afraid of it. I do realize that it is more severe for others, um, but as far as what am I doing in the house, you know, when I work all the time, I thought, man, I wish I could just have a day off to go clean that closet. Well, that closet's <laughs> still dirty because I haven't cleaned it yet, so well, there, I should have cleaned it by now. There's, there's um, your chore. You have 10 days to clean yeah, that closet. <laughs> I know. I need to clean a closet. Um, we've gotten a little frisky a couple of times because we're kind of bored, and so... <laughs> It's what husbands and wives do, you know, get a little spark here and there. My kids would die. So hopefully they don't hear that, but you just, you know, you're locked up. What else are you going to do? So, um, well, I'm not liberated <laughs> yet. I, I have not had it. Linda. So, so <laughs> I've, I guess I'm not liberated to, yet. And I, you know, I mean, there is part of me that thinks it'd be better if I did have it because then I can be freer but in texas we're pretty free anyway and and we pretty much do what we want to do but what's different for my husband and i is kind of having been locked down for so many months and i don't mean locked down like you can't go to the store you can't go to restaurants those things are open in texas but but still you're i'm not traveling and my husband's not traveling like we did before so i'm not going back and forth to my business in california like I was every few weeks. And so it, it does really have a huge impact. And I'm not willing to go to California right now because their COVID numbers are so high and I really don't want it. And because I don't know how, you know, like you say, the fear, how I'm going to get it as compared to how, say, you got it. Because I have friends that have been very, very, very ill with it. So it, it, but the things that changed in life for us is, I, I think, you know, we, we absolutely stopped eating out as much as we used to, and we started cooking more. I got to tell you, our cooking is far better than any restaurant that I know. <laughs> so that <laughs> has been a lot of fun for us. In fact, last night, my, um, I was, I was making short ribs and my, one of my sons called me and he said he wanted to come over and have short ribs. And then the other one called and said that uh, he wanted to come over and have short ribs. And I said, your wife just made a beautiful roast for you. He said, I like your short ribs. So we're coming over. So we ended <laughs> up, you know, with a full house of, of our adult kids coming over to, to have that particular meal. Cause it's one of our favorites. So, you know, we've had a lot of fun with that. And I also think, it's been kind of a great time. And Tracy, I think you might be finding this out to uh, reintroduce yourselves or ourselves to our husband or kids or, you know, whoever is quarantined with us or, or, you know, kind of in the same boat, whether you have it or not, 
uh, we still are staying pretty local with our close friends and family. So you, you really have a chance to spend some quality time. I think that that's been a little bit of a silver lining with the whole COVID thing, although I don't think that there are many silver linings to it, to be honest. I think it's been absolutely horrible for our economy and our businesses and our employees and so, so many people in this country, not to mention the amount of, of deaths and uh, um, just stupidity on the part of people like the Gavin Newsom's of the world and the Cuomo's in New York of the world. I mean, just just causing their their people and their states such terrible, you know, tragedy. But other than that, there there have been some linings that that are good, and I think I th I think just getting back to basics has been one of them. We had four cruises planned when all of this hit, and actually got off of a cruise the week they closed everything down pretty much everywhere and school was canceled and my granddaughter comes up to me and she said Gigi they closed our school another week can we go on another cruise and I said well we could if the cruises were cruising right now but they closed all of those down too so we got the last one in going out of Galveston and coming back in and so then we had four other cruises planned and every one of them kept getting backed up and getting backed up and okay, we've canceled it till this time. And so we just ended up canceling every single one of them and gonna wait until we know everything is opened back up. But we also have a fifth wheel and we've done a couple of things with our fifth wheel. We went to Tennessee and had a really good time. And we're getting ready to take it back out again um, when we decide where we're going to go for a short time. It has um, enabled us to be home more. Our kids said they like that because we do travel quite a bit. And it has not stopped us though. I will say it has not stopped my family and my extended family from getting together because all of us, are not under the impression that we need to fear something because we're Christians. God is going to give us and knows what's going to come our way. And we feel like he's going to protect us and we're going to succumb to something, whether it's COVID or whether it's a heart attack or whether it's walking out into the street and get running, get run over. We are careful and we let people know that we want to be careful. We're not selfish that way. But we also let people know that when we're not wearing a mask, it's because we've already had it. And just about everybody in our family has already had it. And so you don't need to fear me anymore. So it's just caused our society to think in a different way. And I do find it interesting now after the election, all these cities are opening back up. What do you think, Tracy? Yeah, I agree with, I do. I think that the travel part um has kind of been hindered that's been a down and then but staying at home and rekindling and cooking and back to the basics has definitely definitely been a plus uh the countries that i mean the the cities that are opening back up well we knew that motivation of keeping them down you know once the election mm -hmm. passed and then things would be they'd try to lift that fear factor you know they they threw the fear factor in on us and it worked. And so now that the election's over, then the, they're going to try to 
probably go ahead and open things back up and kind of subdue the fear of it. So I, uh, I'm kind of like you, Linda, every cloud has a, you know, every, what would they say? It has a silver lining and it does. And I hate that all the families that have lost people because we've lost some good friends because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And I do believe what Becky says is right. We will succumb to something, whether it be COVID, whether it be struck by lightning, whether it be cancer, something's going to get us. We are not going to live on this earth forever. So um, you just got to, get up and put your shoes on and get out there and live. That's what we're supposed to do. We can't just sit in fear all the time. And, and we are safe and like we do respect others. And and I have been, and so, but I don't want to wear my mask. I'm like, Becky, now that I've had it, I kind of don't, I want to shed that mask. <laughs> I want to be done with the <laughs> well, mask. I think Joe Biden has said that you have to wear one in certain places for a hundred days, whether you've had it or not. So um, we'll see how that works out. But, you know, I, I do think I just miss the travel. I do, I do miss travel. And we also lost a cruise last year and we lost a trip to Italy last year. And we have that same cruise book for this year, which at this point we are, we are one day off. They've canceled all cruises up to the day before that ours goes. So I think the chance of ours actually going is slim to none at this point. And then we'll just, you know, make a new plan from there. But I, I definitely would like to see America living their lives again, instead of being in these horrible lockdown situations. And I did notice that the governor in California you know, all of a sudden he started taking some of his lockdown orders for, you know, he, he has devastated businesses in California, devastated mm -hmm. the restaurants so much. And now that his recall measure is uh, getting close to having enough signatures, all of a sudden he started reversing those orders. And what's interesting is when he made the orders, they were, there, there was more hospital space and more uh, bed space in critical care than there is right now, yet he sees fit to undo his orders. So this is all politics. And that's one thing that has made me really angry about this whole COVID thing. This is not something that ever should have been politicized. But nope. that being said, you know, we, we've all learned some things through this. And you know, those are things that hopefully for some people are good things. I, I, I just still feel really badly for the people that have been devastated financially through this. I know um, my business certainly has been and uh, we're surviving, but we're not thriving as we were before. But we'll get back to that point. It's, it's a moment in time. I'm just kind of wishing that moment would end it right now. Well, it is liberating to have had it. I can say that. And I will bring up uh, having not cruising as much. I've lost some weight because when I go on a cruise, I gain weight. I come home and I lose a little bit and I go on another cruise. I gain more weight and then I come back and I don't lose quite all of that. So <laughs> I've gotten about almost back down to what I was when I graduated high school. So that's been encouraging. And I was, I'm a small framed person. 
So I can't put on weight and carry it very well. It shows everywhere. Uh, so it has been nice. It, it is, and I can also say for our church, our pastor, I can't say enough about him. He is just a delight. And he, when we could open up, when, when Texas finally said, okay, churches can open up, just be careful and so forth. He was so wise in how he did it and said, if you want to wear a mask, we've got the chapel over here. This is all mask filled people. You have to wear one. Now, if you don't want to wear a mask, come to the sanctuary. But if you want to wear a mask, you can still come to the sanctuary, but don't get upset if people in the sanctuary are not wearing masks, we are going to accommodate everybody at our church. And so we have been able to continue to worship as a, con as a congregation. Now have people in our congregation gotten COVID? They have, but it hasn't been from people in the group. It has been from outside family members that have gotten it or someone else that doesn't go to our church that has gotten it. We have not spread it within our congregation because of the way he has gone about protecting everyone. And so I have appreciated that. And I think that's the way the country needed to look at this. If you are scared and you don't want to wear a mask, then stay home. If you feel like you need to wear a mask and you're fearful of getting it, then wear your mask when you go out. Well, whether you're a mask wearer or whether you're not a mask wearer or whether you've had COVID or not COVID, the thing is to have a positive, positive um, spirit about you and get up and be respectful to others and look for the silver lining in every cloud because there is one and spread that positivity to others. Well, ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind. 